Hey, Gang Grow Retain. We recently started a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative within the community. And one thing that we wanted to do was just bring awareness and bring the discussion into our listeners. And so uh, we partnered with Matt Miskowski. Many of you have seen him in the community. He's vice president of customer success management uh, of EMEA for SAP. And so today we have a gender diversity podcast that he put together uh, with four other customer success professionals. And they discuss uh, statistics around gender equality uh, and really look at ways that we can make an impact and improve that within the customer success and software industries. Uh, so hopefully you uh, enjoy the listen and we'll be bringing some more of this content here shortly. Welcome to the Game Grow Retain Podcast. For today's very special episode, we're not actually joined by two guests or three guests, but by four guests to discuss the critical topic of gender diversity in the world of customer success and specifically in leadership roles. So moving on to my first experts today, please welcome Sue Nabithmore, Sue Walsh, Shirley Chapman, and finally, Rab Daliwell. So can I ask each of you for a 30-second intro on who you are, what you're currently doing, and maybe a brief history of your career around the world of customer success? So let's start with uh, Sue Nabithmore, please. Thanks, Matt, for organising this podcast. This is brilliant, and I'm glad that we're all here together and creating more awareness on this very important topic. So originally, our initiative with with Martin Niemans was to have a survey in Europe on lots of different topics, not just diversity, uh, because we found that most surveys around customer success have US-based data and trends. Um, So we thought this would be a good initiative, and this is why we did the survey. Um, Just a little bit of background about myself. So I'm a customer success evangelist, passionate. I organize different events and meetups around Europe, including Paris and Lisbon, and the co-founder of Engage Paris. Um, And I also was a co-founder of the Unplugged event, and I work in close collaboration with the Customer Success Association. I've also founded my consultancy called Success Track Enterprise, and co-founded Customer Success Mastermind, which is online subscription. As you can probably tell by my lousy northern British accent, (laughs) yes, I'm British, but proudly European spirit. Uh, And I'm also the proud mum of three sons, and I live between Paris and Lisbon. Excellent. Thanks very much for that, Sue. And on to our next Sue. So, Sue Walsh, um, can I have an introduction from you, please? Yes, of course. Thank you, Matt. Um, And hello to everybody. Um, For my sins, I have just entered my 21st year in in recruitment. Um, That has been a mix of agency and in-house. So I've uh, built recruitment teams. I've built recruitment strategy. um, And for the last four years, I focused on customer experience um customer success and and, and sales uh, recruitment um i'm a senior consultant with the associates global um and we support tech driven companies with their uh, sales leadership tech and customer success recruitment globally excellent thank you um and shirley chapman on to you please for your introduction thanks matt um so i'm shirley chapman this is my fifth year at plural site um which is a technology skills platform um For a couple of years, I was an enterprise CSM, and now I'm currently Senior Director of Customer Success for Pluralsight EMEA, um, covering all of our B2B customer segments. So I currently have a team of around 16 CSMs and two team managers, and and I am very well balanced because I've got one of each, uh, male and female. Um, And my first role in customer success was 10 years ago, um, but that followed many, many years in teaching, software training, and a leadership role in in Oracle many years ago, uh, more years ago than I care to remember. Um, This is a topic that's really close to my heart. I was the first female leader in Pluralsight 
in EMEA um, in any function. Uh, that's no longer the case, I'm happy to say. Um, I'm also the leadership sponsor for our EMEA Belonging Ambassadors. So um, that's maybe something that will come up later, but that's uh, we focus on belonging rather than diversity. So this is about making it inclusive for everybody, regardless of you know ethnicity, gender, whatever, um, making sure that people feel that they belong and can be the best that they can be at plural sites. Excellent. And finally, on to Rav Daliwal, please. Hi, Matt. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is Rav Daliwal. I've had uh, a number of uh, uh, management and executive positions in various software companies over the last 20 years, um, predominantly in the field of customer success. I'm currently um, working in the world of venture capital uh, and work on investing in startups uh, that are really focused on um, enterprise data, and machine learning and AI. Awesome. Uh, a great panel. Really looking forward to diving into this topic now. So let's really move on. Um, as I said, we've got a meaty and probably what maybe at times a, a controversial subject to, to really dive into. Um, and that is the one, as we said, of, of gender diversity and customer success. As Sue said in her introduction, back in November at Pulse Europe, um, Sue Nabith-Moore herself, along with her co-speaker, Martine Neemans, shared some results of a survey that they'd been working on for, for several months. I think it's fair to say that the one slide that, that really caught my attention and probably the rest of the audience was the one around the split of CSM roles, female and male, through the duration of their maturity and, and their life cycle into intermediate, senior and then leadership roles. Um, the, the split at the most junior CS level was a 67% versus 33% split in favour of female. Um, it narrows very slightly at an intermediate level um, before narrowing dramatically to a 50-50 split for senior CSM roles. However, the, the real worrying trend for, for me and I think for probably all of us, or I hope all of us, is the worrying trend when this moves into leadership roles. A head of CS shows a 45-55% split and a director of CS shows a massive 20%, 80% split before narrowing slightly again for the VP of CS role of 29 and 71%. So I've thrown a few numbers out there. Um, I have shared the slides with um, uh, the panel here. Um, they've been presented, I think, at a slightly wider level as well um, on social media. So the very first question, um, why are we seeing this? Um, and I'm going to let Sue um, share her views maybe first of all um, as the author um, of that content and the statistics, but then we'll just open up for a wider debate. So Sue, your your observations why are we seeing this worrying trend still in 2020 yeah and, and thanks for, for letting me open this up a lot of pressure here matt thank you <laughs> <laughs> um i think there were several whys in fact and i think it's, it's quite a complex and evolving context in which we're in right now but i think first of all it's interesting to point out that this is probably the first time in in business history where we have this 50 50 parity representation between men and women in a role. Because if you look at the traditional revenue generating roles, such as pre-sales, sales, account management and finance, it's always typically been male dominated, right? It's, it's been a bit of the boys club, especially when you're talking about money. And I don't want it to fall into kind of a cliche trap, but I think that's the reality of what we've seen in business history, history until now. But I think with customer success, and certainly in the events that we attend like Pulse and, and Unplugged, you can see that there is really this 50-50 representation between men and women. So the question that we're asking with Martin Neemans and when we were presenting that at Pulse was, you know, we have this parity. So is there finally an opportunity to actually break that famous glass ceiling? Um, but obviously, with these initial results, it seems that we're not even cracking that glass ceiling yet. Right. 
Um, so if we look at to some of the, the reasons why in, in 2020 that we're still not doing that, um, for me, I think there were three main reasons, but there were lots more. Uh, and the first one, I think, is um, the difficulty that we're having often in positioning customer success. As we know, I think in many customer success contexts, there are lots of different perceptions as to what it's all about. And again, without going into too, too many cliches about that, um, whilst we all agree that customer success, uh, customer success involves a lot of nurturing and relationship building. So those, let's say, typical soft skills, which are associated with female attributes. The shots show, however, that as soon as you start talking about responsibility and leading a team or any kind of association with the money aspects, the stats from our survey show that there are more women, more men than women represented. Um, so just to give you an example, in, in the stats, um, for smaller teams, so between one to three women in the team, the majority of the, of the people who were leading those teams are in fact men. And, and when you get greater teams, it's men again, 35% uh, of men compared to 23% of women. So in leadership teams, men are really predominant. Um, so I think this monetization point of view is, is something which is still in our mindset, um, still a bit of the boys club. And I think that this is starting to change, uh, but we still have a long way to go. And I think that uh, when we're talking about business and the perception of money and revenue generation and added value, I think that certainly women can have a, a great role to play in there. And it's something which I think probably comes naturally to women. I'm not trying to say that men, of course, cannot do this. And I know that Matt and Ravi are outnumbered here today. <laughs> but it's definitely something which I'm sure men are perfectly capable of. Um, but, you know, I think in custom success, it's the first time they actually have the opportunity when you can talk about money and added value, revenue generation, in a different light to what we've previously been accustomed to when we're talking about business. So that's the first reason, the positioning of customer success. I think the second reason um, that we're still trapped, perhaps, in some kind of socio-professional mindset uh, where we say it's either or. So you either have a career and you build your career or you bring up children. And I think we're still probably trapped in that because I think things have evolved you know, that that's kind of a conception which was definitely in England, you know, it was in the Victorian period where yeah. women were the, the breeders up of children and the home bearers uh, while the men went out to earn all the money. Right. That's changed. And, and so I think we need to move on with the times and, and think that, you know, now there are possibilities that opportunities where we can share that. Uh, I can speak for myself, you know, because I'm, I'm the mum of three kids. And we shared that. And so I know that Matt, uh, that's the same for you as well. So there are possibilities. And when you look at different countries, you know, if you look at northern countries, for example, they've put lots of opportunity into place so you can share that. So I think we're no longer in a situation of either or but where we can actually have that balance if we choose to do so. Right. Um, you know, I, I perfectly respect uh, people who want to give up their careers or put their careers on standby to bring up their children. That's perfectly noble. But if you want to have the choice to to be able to do that, then now I think, you know, we have the possibilities to do that as well. And I think the third reason uh, is related to that, and it's perhaps that women are still caught up in this previous mindset, in this previous context, and probably have difficulty still in imposing themselves in leadership context to break the glass ceiling. Um, so it's probably a combination of their own psychological perception of themselves, but also the exterior dynamics of the business context in which they found themselves, so their ecosystem, their employers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very difficult to to break through uh, that glass ceiling because of their own personal perception of themselves, I think. 
Um, so even in the survey, for example, um, again, when we're talking about monetization, um, out of the survey respondents, twice as many males came from sales backgrounds as women. So again, you know, we're still, I think, trapped in this uh, previous mindset of the boys club, men dealing with the money aspects and, and ladies dealing with the more nurturing aspects. Okay. So I think that's something which we as women, and I put myself in the same bracket as well, probably have difficulty in piercing that glass glass ceiling because of our perception and because of everything that's satelliting around us. So that's my take, those three those three reasons. Awesome, Sue. Um who wants to either respond or, or add to that? Yeah. Um, Carry on, Rev. No, sorry, off you. I was just going to say, I did actually see um, a report. It was a, a McKinsey Women in Workplace uh, 2019. It's really quite fascinating. I think the first thing that jumped out to me was actually, although we are maybe not comfortable with the numbers and customer success, we're actually doing a lot better than a lot of other professions and industries, um, you know, where the, the change is quite dramatic. And, and one of the things that this report came up with was the feeling that, yes, the glass ceiling is there, but actually maybe the glass ceiling is not as important as we think it might be. It's actually getting women into that more sort of entry level uh, management position. And, and that that's what maybe we should focus on because the problem is actually the pipeline. So rather than kind of thinking we've got a problem at, at the higher level, the problem starts right at the very beginning of the leadership piece. Um, and you know, I think that's something to explore because again, one of the things that it talked about was uh, this is actually a different a different survey that I saw as well. It was HP said that women will often not apply for jobs unless they feel they 100% match the, the qualifications, whereas men will apply for it if they've got 60%. I yeah. thought those those numbers were pretty stunning <laughs> as well. So I think you know what you were saying, Sue, about women need to step up to that too. And I don't think that means that we should be applying for jobs that we're not qualified for, <laughs> but maybe we just need to have you know help people have the confidence and be building them, giving them the skills so that they, they have that feeling that they can actually do that kind of piece that is around the money and they, that they would be comfortable in a leadership position. Yeah, I agree with you. There. Yeah. Rav, you, um, you, you wanted to, to yeah, I, I mean, I think, comment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it's fascinating to, to dig into this. And I agree with all of it. I mean, in terms of just the social, sort of the, the social pressures and, uh, and social history and the pipeline piece in particular is particularly interesting because I think what the data, uh, Sue Beth, that you guys have compiled shows is that even if you have the pipeline, you're not seeing progression through the funnel, so to speak. You're not seeing people progressing from the entry level up. Um, and I think there's a, a couple of additional uh, factors, and these are by no means answers, but I think there is a couple of additional factors that I think are worth thinking about or maybe talking about, which is... Um, Thinking about gender, gender balance and gender diversity, I think in a lot of organizations is really actually quite a big cultural change. It's something that a lot of businesses haven't had to think about. Um, and in many instances, people are thinking about it for entirely the wrong reasons. They're thinking about it because it's been imposed upon them by market conditions or, you know, uh, or their, their HR recruitment teams are pushing them saying, hey, this is how we are going to be able to seen, be seen to be a preferred employer. So we have to focus on gender balance. If you are being driven that way um, and thinking about it in just purely those terms, you're only really going to be very half-hearted about it because you're, you're not really invested in the fact that really the reason to have diverse teams is diverse teams out. You know, all the research shows that the more diverse your team is, the higher performing 
it's going to be, the more creative it's going to be, the higher performing it's going to be. But if you're being driven to do it as a chief exec or a board because we have to improve our image or because we have to be a more attractive employer, then it's never really going to be baked into the overall culture and the cultural change. So as a cultural change initiative, it will, it will likely fail. I think the other interesting aspect, and this is not necessarily applicable to all companies, but certainly something I've seen having been early in a lot of companies and then see them grow very quickly and now investing in companies that you know we hope we try to get to grow quickly, uh, is that when uh, companies get to a certain stage, uh, they go from essentially being a startup to kind of hitting the accelerator pedal. You know, that, okay, we've got product market fit, we've got go to market fit, we've got the financing, we're going to boom, we're going to massively grow. And that normally means an influx of people. And what tends to happen at that stage, if you call it the acceleration phase, is that is the point where you actually start to bring more people in from the outside. And so what I'm wondering is, and maybe this is reflected in the data, if the entry level, the, the funnel's looking good for balance, but it's not, people aren't, women aren't progressing up the funnel. Mm-hmm. Is it because there are companies that are at that stage where when they're really hitting on that um, cycle of growth, what they're doing is they're bringing people from the outside who are then coming from uh, a, a, a less progressive culture and then are simply stacking the organization with the people that they know or the people that they're bringing and then perpetuating an organizational culture from somewhere else. Uh, I mean, we've all seen, and, and the reason I'm suggesting that is we've all seen that scenario of your company gets to a certain size, you hire a new leadership level, and they steadily go and populate the level below them with all their previous people from different walks of life. And my experience of that is that tends to be not a particularly gender balanced group. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there just to see if those are other variables that we want, mm. want to be thinking about, the cultural change and also the acceleration in company growth. I, th- I think that's a really interesting point. Sue, uh, Nabith yes. Moore. Um, oh, sorry. Did you, uh, sorry, I'll come to <laughs> Sue Walsh in a minute. Um, I just want to go back to Sue Nabith Moore, just about, obviously, your analysis. Um, and it's one of the things I scribbled down while you were doing your, your kind of summary. Was there any research done to the numbers with regards to the size of company and the maturity of company? Because that would reflect, I think, what Rav's yes. points mm, are. And I think they're I think they're really good points. I think yes. they're very accurate. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, we do. We do have stats. Obviously, we haven't yet. We will do because what I intend to do with Martin Niemans is to is to slice and die this and actually put in an ebook. Uh, but we do have stats on the size of the company and, and the maturity of the company uh, in terms of customer success as well. So that would be interesting. Definitely. And I like what you were saying, Rav, as well, you know, bringing in people, you know, from your ex network and everything. What we do have is interesting, which ties in with that is um, stats on where do people come from? So a lot of the time, people who actually put into the leadership positions have come from a sales background mm-hmm. or an account management background. And of course, as we know, because, you know, this is the previous kind of mindset, a lot of those are men because sales don't sales is dominated by men. Right. Sales leadership roles right now. Mm-hmm. So that could be one of the explanations, too. Well, it would be very interesting once you guys dig into the data to see if there's any kind of correlation, because if going back to this sort of mode from like when you're a startup and you're still trying to build and figure out product and go to market fit you uh tend not to be focusing on revenue there what you're tending to focus on is uh other things like you know does the product add a lot of value what do we need to do to shorten the time to value when you start to become successful because you hit that product and go to market fit then the metrics become more revenue focused and that is often the time where the people who've grown up with the company start to get layered by people from outside the company who have, they're they're not builders, they're scalers. Yeah. Uh, And it'd be very interesting to see if the correlation is that when we bring, when the company's at a stage to bring scalers into the company, because it's more revenue focused, is that then reflected in um, the lack of diversity in that leadership level? 
Yeah. I was, I was just wondering as well about the um, diversity of, of the role itself. So, for example, as you go up the scale, is the leadership role also, for example, including professional services or the support team? And again, you know, the leaderships from those types of functions, not just sales and marketing, which is definitely, uh, sorry, sales and account management, which are very heavily male focused, but even professional services and and support are often more perhaps male dominated uh, domains than, than customer success. So it'd be interesting to dig into that piece as well. Yeah. Yeah, we do have stats on that as well and of the origins of, you know, the different backgrounds before mm. people actually came into CS, either as a CS professional or a CS leader. Mm. So that's something we can slice and dice as well. I think uh, a lot of it actually goes back to, to Sue's one, Sue's, uh, Sue Beth, um, uh, Sue Beth's first point, which was about the difficulty in positioning CS, because um, if you don't have a very crisp articulation in revenue terms, uh, then often people, regardless of whether you're a female or a male leader, won't take the function seriously. Or they may have a lot of preconceived notions about the function based on previous experience or lack of experience. And I think that also could be an exacerbating factor um, because as a profession, we are not maybe necessarily positioning ourselves or talking about ourselves and the work that we do in, in more explicit revenue terms. I, I'll just throw that out there because I think that's that's a very common thing that I see, but I'm not necessarily sure whether that correlates to um, what the data is showing. Matt, can I interject? You can. I would love you to. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Biting at the bullet. Um, so uh, I, I have done some research into uh, gender diversity um, and some uh, gender pay gap research as well that that uh, follows on from that. Um, I, I I agree completely what you know with what everybody has said uh, previously. Um, I think Sue mentioned that you know women are, are tends to be in higher levels in the more caring professions, and the 2019 stats show that 43% of HR directors are female, but only 17% of sales directors are female. Um, and I think that you know that backs up her theory um, that uh, you know sales is a heavily dominated environment. And I know when I am asked to create a sales team uh, sorry a customer success team um, or a first hire or you know expand a team for a client whether that's in the UK Europe or or US that um, that request has generally come from the sales function um, so I think uh, you know Sue's comment um, about uh, kind of the boys club yeah. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it, it, it is possibly um, you know quite justified and um, you know it was uh, um, I think Rav said about you know bringing in people that you that you already know. Or, um, so I think that is quite uh, you know quite justified. But if we look at employees across Europe, um, uh, the male to female split split of people in employment is roughly 50-50. Um, but females only make up of uh, make up 17% at senior exec level. So whilst um, there is obviously some issues within the customer success space, and it is still a maturing um, you know, profession um, that's still finding its way somewhat. Um, I think it's a symptom of actually the wider problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we've spoken about some of the um, some of the challenges we face, some of the observations we face. Um, is there anything? that we think is really specific to customer success. I think, Sue, Nabith, more you touched on the the kind of the position and the maturity of customer success. Is there anything else that we think we, we want to call out that is actually very specific to customer success that is either causing issues or adding to an already existing issue? 
I would say, from my perspective, you know, having dealing with lots of different companies, mm. um, you know, as I mentioned, that it, it's generally born from the sales function. Um, and um, I think those sales leaders potentially have a perception of females going into those, uh, you know, leadership roles. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's kind of related to my, my previous point about the positioning and the, the difficulty that we're still having in positioning customer success and what it actually means for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because it, we know we, we see different interpretations all the time. And I think because customer success is emerging and it's becoming recognized more and more as a revenue generator and not just this um, nice fluffy thing that often, unfortunately, you know, I was, I was talking recently, for example, uh, to a CEO who told me, he said, look, I've deliberately uh, not called my customer success department customer success. So I said, why? And he said, well, if I call it customer success, um, everybody's going to understand it, e even my clients, as being this kind of fluffy girl pinky type thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> so he said he deliberately didn't want to call it customer success and even uh, to help him recruit people. Right. Uh, so, you know, going back to your point, Sue. Um, so I think we, we, we're kind of on moving sands right now with customer success because customer success is changing the way we're doing business. You know, we're not doing business as usual. Customer success is actually challenging that. Um, and at the same time, we have coming back to the to the gender diversity. We have this parity for the first time in history where we have this 50 50 50 representation of, of women and men in the role, even coming at, at the pipe, you know, at the beginning. There are lots of women or lots of men um, and we're still actually struggling to 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 actually make uh, to make it happen so that women can actually break that glass ceiling. So I think it again, it's it's you mentioned this, Ravi, it's it's a combination of changing the way we do business. It's a combination of culture um, and it really is a combination for for everybody uh, to get together to to make things happen you know it, it can't just be the women by themselves yeah. but anyway that's the solution right so we'll get to the solution afterwards yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, think, um, I think also just layering on to that um what you're saying to see that now was uh, is much more around the general people people in leadership's roles right now what is their general level of competency on actually developing and promoting as in not necessarily the act of promotion but de developing people into leadership roles because I think that is also, and that's just, I think, a generic problem in businesses full stop is how much support the leaders and managers get to create the next uh, labor leaders. level of management. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you, if, you know, I've run teams where 80% um, of them are, of the team is, is female. And I want to make a conscious effort, uh, male or female, to develop all the people who've got leadership desire and potential to one day replace me. Because if I can't replace myself, then I can't go off and do something else. I haven't particularly encountered that many leaders that think that way. Uh, and then if you think about the overall VP tenure, maybe it's 18 months, two years. If you're looking at your role as a stepping stone into something else, then are you really going to put the effort in to develop your people? So I think that's another uh, another thing, as maybe part of the cultural question is if organizations have a desire to, uh, a genuine desire to be more gender balanced, how are they supporting existing leaders to create that next generation of leaders from the ranks, as opposed to go out and just hire a bunch of people I already know? I think also that um, you know we have to we have to bear in mind that it, it's it's women who are more likely to take time out of their careers to uh, you know have children or, or or take on caring responsibilities. Um, they are 
30% more likely to work part-time than men. Um, and actually, once they return to work after a period of, of leave, whether that's maternity caring leave or, or anything else, they're more likely to take a job with a lower pay and a lower status than they had previously. Um, and I think that goes back to uh, Rav's comment about changing the culture um, in, in which we work and our expectations of employees and that, you know, somebody who is seen to be at a desk from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. does not necessarily add more value than somebody that works 9.30 to 4.30. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, Sue. And I'm, I'm, I'm a living example of that. You know, I was yeah. in a leadership role at Oracle, had my kids, took a bit of a step back, um, you know, a complete change of, of lifestyle as well, but came back into customer success. And I think it's maybe sharing some of those examples that, you know, even even at my age, um, in my late 50s, <laughs> I still have something. I still got a lot of energy and I still got I've got a load of experience that I can bring to these types of roles. And just get again, it's about confidence, isn't it? People being confident that when they come back into the workforce, if they've had some time out, I worked part time for a long period. It doesn't mean that my brain switched off. Um, that I wasn't able to keep up to date with everything that was going on in the, in, in the technology world or whatever, I can still come back and add something. And I think we need to celebrate those kind of examples as well, even though it sounds like I'm saying celebrate my success, but there are <laughs> million, millions of women just like me, right? Who, yeah. who we should we should be kind of mm -hmm. saying this, this is, you know, this should not be a barrier to you coming into the profession and, and to go into leadership roles, perhaps after you've taken a bit of time out, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, for organizations to, you know, to change that culture and maybe to invest in in some leadership coaching or, mm. or you know, training for, um, you know, the, those women to get back up to speed or so they're not, you know, they're not left behind because it's it's a bit of a punishment. Right. For yeah. You yeah. Know, contributing to, you know, to the global population that we we get, you know, we get punished or, or, or left behind, which is a little bit unfair. Yeah, it and, is. It's, it's, actually, of, it's actually about not thinking about somebody taking time off to look after a child family as a problem to solve as well. I yeah, think culturally exactly. that, that is, mm. you know, it, it, this is, I think one of the challenges with the with business in general is just the pace at which business is now conducted means businesses and leaders will often choose an expedient path over the necessarily the right path because what they're really looking to do is like what's the quickest way to solve this problem not what's the right way to solve the problem or the best way to solve the problem yeah. Yeah. you know and like Shirley I've, I've worked part-time and I can I can promise you that I did a full-time job in part-time yeah. hours <laughs> well, <laughs> me too and part-time pay as well right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is this is one of the things that frustrates me hugely because um, and not from a professional perspective in terms of it being something that impacts me. Um, but actually, I sit firsthand with my wife and it's one of the most frustrating things. She works. She works full full time hours in four days. Um, Friday for her is a, her day off. For me, the way that I see it, the way that I tell her I see it is that is your weekend. And, and she's not in a role where she's particularly customer facing. So there should be limited demand on her to be made available for customer situations. But she ends up working Fridays because she feels threatened. She feels yeah. that she has to go beyond what other people do that do normal. And I do that in speech marks. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I find it hugely frustrating, but I understand her perspective when she's like, well, I need to do this. Otherwise people don't think I am this or I am that, or I don't meet the expectations of this person. Um, and, you wouldn't have to behave like that if it was a Sunday, but the fact it's a Friday mm -hmm, and yeah. it's a normal working week, you you get dragged into that mindset and it it frustrates. And, and I'll be honest, it, it causes arguments with me and my wife because I feel she's taken advantage of mm. um, that wouldn't be the case if a it was male 
or b it was a normal situation working normal business hours yeah um so we've we've spoken a lot about sorry i know someone took a breath to speak then we've spoken a lot about um some of the causes um of the lack of gender diversity maybe some of those are ones that we control and we can influence or our colleagues can control and influence and maybe some of them others um probably less so um we could probably carry on looking at maybe some of the causes and problems but i also want to look at maybe solutions and answers um and are there any i hope so um are there solutions <laughs> and answers and ones that we can actually control within our our cs industry within the roles that we've got all of us have got slightly different roles although they kind of impact software and customer success etc um some of the areas when i've spoken to not just the full review but um other people within my network other people that i speak to around this kind of topic things that you consider quota management is that something that's good or bad i've got real mixed opinions on that training and education we've already touched on that wider exposure to the problem i still don't think we're actually we're actually really aware of how big a problem this is and what the problem specifically is maybe do we need to do more around reporting numbers more widely more being more transparent with that um so lots of things to maybe think about um yes i'm an active cs leader but the the guest um active cs leader here today is, is shirley and um and obviously there's a couple of past cs leaders with with raven so um can you share any thoughts on maybe some of the things that you've done or you are doing with the companies that you're working with today or have worked at in the past to overcome maybe some of these issues and i think it was shirley that said at the very beginning you've got a program called belonging, belonging. ambassadors belonging. yeah 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 i'd love to hear a little bit more about that so maybe that's a good place to start Okay, so um, well, first of all, just to let everybody know that we have, um, a, we're actually probably the opposite way in terms of leadership to the statistics. So in our entire customer success leadership, it's predominantly women uh, by a long way, uh, with two men who are team managers, at sort of entry level, if you like. Um, everybody else is, is female, so we're doing something right. <laughs> And I think to Rav's point earlier as well, it's kind of, you know, I don't think you can, you can't kind of boil the ocean on this stuff. You have to do little things. Um, but as a company, we do have uh, this program around belonging. Um, so it's really kind of changing the, and again, I think Rav mentioned this, you know, a lot of companies dive in, think we have to have a, you know, a DNI program. We've got to tackle all these like major issues and it's often uh, pushed forward by HR, but actually, um, the belonging piece makes things an awful lot easier because it shifts away from it being a negative thing to being a positive. It's about making sure that everybody does feel that they belong in the company, whatever background they come from. And, you know, when we first started talking about DNI at Pluralsight, you know, actually got the backs up of a lot of men um, in the company and they felt that being white and male was a bad thing. Um, and we don't want to do that either. <laughs> so, so we kind of shifted that, that sort of thought process around uh, to be about belonging and to accept everybody's, you know, positives and, and strengths and weaknesses and to create an environment. We have very strong cultural values. So creating that environment where you really can be the best that you can be regardless of, of who you are and where you've come from and, you know, all the, all the things that we, we kind of assume as being DNI issues, if you like. So the, the belonging ambassador pieces, um, is trying to have people in the business who are drawing attention to things like, you know, in meetings, for example, uh, if there is behavior that is 
a little bit excluding, then the belonging ambassador is, you know, it's, they can tackle that. It might be having a word with somebody's leader. It might be about having a word with somebody in, you know, outside the meeting. It could be just seeing an email that's gone out that's worded in a way that is uh, perhaps uh, unconsciously biased. Um, so it's really just kind of keeping keeping challenging people in a very positive way to be thinking about this. And one of the things we've done with Slack, for example, is in people's profile, we have added in brackets how how do people want to be referred to? You know, is it she or is it he or is it they? Um, you know, for some, most people, they choose their, their gender, but for some people, they don't want to. So that's a really kind of simple example of the types of things that we've done um, as belonging ambassadors. Does that kind of give you a feel for what yeah. yeah awesome thank you for that um anybody else want to add anything Rav, maybe um i think quota management whilst it might seem like a nice useful expedient thing to do is probably not the right way to, yep. to change the culture it, i think it's easily gamed uh and it feels uh, like simply just going through the motions i think the training and education piece and uh, it's really interesting to hear about that program i think that's the right way to go but i think it needs to be a top-down as well as a bottom-up initiative. And I think that's where potentially the challenge could be. I think uh, the things that are in our control, uh, you know, we can push those. We can be thoughtful about how we hire, how we communicate. But I think if ultimately there isn't a real understanding of why this is important and a real buy-in from the top, uh, then I think the uh, it's all, the impact's always going to be that much limited. So I think there's an awful lot that can be done through these kinds of programs and behaviours at the bottom level, but I think fixing that, or sorry, not fixing, but educating at the top and really getting that buy-in and actually getting them to walk the walk is important. So, yeah. you know, if you've got an executive who's like, well, we're not hitting, hitting our hiring goals, mm. and they're going to, they are going to prioritise that over, we are not hitting our hiring roles in terms of diversity, that's something that you want to focus on. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So we definitely have from the top down, um, you know, this is embedded in our values um, at every single level. And we, so first of all, we, we try and hire internally, um, but not exclusively. So, you know, we hire the right person. Um, and that's, again, not with quotas in mind. I think I'm certainly not a fan of quotas. Um, you know, we need to get the right people, but do it in a in a very thoughtful, thoughtful way. But it's it's also things like I think Matt, you and I chatted about this when when we were at Pulse. Um, it's little things like, well, they're actually quite big things. You know, our our big um, customer event is called Plural Site Live, and we are very vocal about the fact that we have fifty. You know, we have parity, so we have fifty percent women, fifty percent men on the stage, and we're very, very vocal. We're very thoughtful about doing that, and we make sure that everybody understands that that is something that we have very deliberately done. Um, our senior exec team, you know, the women who head up our people and places or marketing team or whatever, they have equal uh, status as our chief product officer, for example, on the stage. So we are very, very thoughtful, you know, bottom up with things like the belonging ambassadors, but also very, very much top down as well. Do you cover the, the, the benefits you've seen as a result of doing that? Because I think obviously mm. promoting it and making people aware is, is superb. But the next step to that is, an, and this is the benefit we have seen from having yeah. a diverse team. Yeah. So just the, the example of the customer conference, we have had so many customers comment on how refreshing that is. You know, there was a lot in social media at the time of the conference um, in London earlier this year about, you know, this is something that's different. And it's actually, it's it's opening doors for us as well uh, around conversations, for example, about women in tech. Um, you know, we our customers are 
trying to achieve the same sort of thing. So they see us as almost kind of leading the way in it. So we're seeing the benefit because it opens up a different conversation. It helps the customer, it makes the customer feel more confident in us as a business as well. And I think it just, it, yeah, it just really helps us improve the, you know, our, our profitability at the bottom, bottom line because we can have a different type of conversation with the customer. That's so I'd great. say we definitely do, yeah. And for your hiring as well. So Absolutely. you're in a good position for hiring. It's fantastic. Well, it's good to see some companies actually living through the, the diversity programs huh? because you see a lot of companies saying that, uh, but that's living proof. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, think I think a lot of, for a lot of people, it's virtue signaling, isn't it? So it's great to yeah. hear that, you, you know, you guys are actually living and breathing that and it's adding yeah. a ton of value. Yeah. And I think another thing as well, and it's kind of bottom up as well. And you mentioned it, Shirley, as well. I think it's a question of confidence for for a lot of women, you know, whether whether they're coming back after some kind of maternity leave or other leave or whatever, or just generally a confidence problem. Um, In the survey, in fact, we had some stats which 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 kind of echoed that. Um, So we actually asked a question. We asked, what what are your top three challenges? And uh, 31 percent of men actually replied that they don't have a seat at the table. So that's something very specific to customer success, still not having this seat at the table, compared to only 9% of women who replied, we don't have a seat at the table. So that's enormous difference. So I don't know whether it's because they consider that having a seat at a table is something within their reach, or it's simply because they already do have a seat at the table. But from the stats, I doubt it's the second one. <laughs> I think well, it's because they just haven't set the the, the bar as high as, yeah. high as the men, you know. Or so maybe think, there's multiple tables and people yeah. talk about different tables. <laughs> So I just want to, on the confidence yeah. bit, I think, you know, again, one of the things that we have done is we have a mentoring program. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It actually started from uh, Women at Pluralsight, which was a, a different program, but it's it's expanded because it was so popular that we are now, although it's still part of the Women at Pluralsight uh, program, we've opened it up. So we have mentees who are men. Um, we have mentors who are men and women. Um, so every six months you can you can change. You can carry on with your mentor if you want to, but you can you can change. And it's at every just again to Rav's point, it's to every level in the organisation. So I have just submitted my my request um, for a mentor for next year. You can ask. You don't, you're not certainly not guaranteed, but you can ask for a C level. Um, mentor um, and then you you know through, and that goes all the way down to individual contributors so you you know I could ask if there's somebody who's an IC let's say in the product team that I really respect you know I might I can't ask for the individual but I, I you know well I do actually you can actually specifically say who it is you would like so it's kind of you know I think again that it's about giving the confidence about seeing women who are doing stuff elsewhere not just in customer success but we've got some incredible women leaders in all of our organizations so giving the opportunity for both men and women to have access to that through the mentorship program is is really powerful as well definitely and i I think the mentorship is is something which i think in the customer success context uh especially for women would be absolutely key um so i mean it's something which i've started to do as well um and i think you know there are more and more women are actually asking for that uh, because there are so there are so many question marks not just about customer success and and where they're going in their career but how they're going to position themselves as women i think in customer success as well yeah Right. And just following on from your question, um, Matt, I don't think quotas is the way to go. That I, I don't think that promotes, you know, diversity. It kind of promotes dictatorship, and that's yes. something that people won't get behind within an organisation, and quite rightly so. But what organisations could do is maybe take some time out 
um, rather than automatic hiring or panic hiring when, when somebody resigns, is to sit back and think, could this role be done slightly differently? Do I need this person to do 50% travel across Europe and see clients face to face? You know, or can, can it be done differently to you know accommodate somebody that wants to work four days a week or um, you know has some some other commitments? Yeah. Uh, so you know it's that kind of review and reflect and, and reassess mm-hmm. rather than automatically yeah. doing the same again. I, th- I can't remember who made the point earlier, but I think there was a point around the pace of business generally, and, and I feel like that uh, at SAP. Um, we 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 hire at pace exactly what you said. So someone hands their notice in, you especially because your CSM is a customer facing role. There's that gap. You want to fill that gap as quickly as possible, and and you do subconsciously yeah. to hire as quickly as possible to mitigate the risk of that customer being without a CSM. Um, um, but we are getting into a much stronger position to make decisions that are right for the long term, not necessarily the easiest decision or the, the easiest way to come to that conclusion. Um, so I think we're getting there slowly at SAP. It's, it's not easy because ultimately you're dictated to by trying to do what you think is the right thing for the customer, which ultimately is giving them a CSM. Um, yeah. and, and that's hard, but I can I can respect and appreciate that totally. Um, conscious of the time, um, mm-hmm. we have got um, 60 minutes as a as a hard stop for this, so we've got six or seven minutes left. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on was it, which is a conversation that me and Sue Nabith Moore had, and it's really just a, a quick kind of 60 second summary, and I'll let Sue kind of add her a bit as well. I think I think one of the things we need to look at is there's a lot of communities and networks around customer success. I like a lot of that. I find huge value in that. But I do wonder if there's a bit of a gap in, in the UK and Europe for a women in customer success kind of community and, and network. I know there's one in, I think, New York, which is hugely well um, attended and, and populated. And me and Sue touched on this is whether this is something that, that would, would be good to explore during 2020 in, in Europe. Um, interesting to get kind of a comment from you, Sue, on whether that's something that you think is interesting. And I think with all of these women in customer success or and we have an SAP kind of uh, business women's network these aren't specifically for women I think we've got to really mm. kind of enforce the understanding that to resolve these issues involves men and women not just women going and having a separate kind of community and network mm-hmm. that isn't the cause um, or the resolution for this so um, soon Nabith Moore any thoughts around kind of a kind of a network or community around yeah, I, I think it would be a great idea. And as, and as we said, and I think it's probably definitely which is missing on this side of the pond. And I think it's if it does work, I mean, I, I would love to, to be part of that as well. And I think if it does work, it, it has to be a collective effort. So it involves all members of the ecosystem, right? So yeah. it's not just men, women, but it's also everybody. So it's recruiters, it's the VCs, it's the private equity companies, it could be the incubators, the accelerators, everybody who is involved in, um, in nurturing customer success, let's say. Um, so, so I think it would be very beneficial. I know that, you know, lots of women actually reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually mentoring um, some, some women as well. Uh, and men, I'm not just mentoring women, but, but for the women that I'm mentoring, what's interesting is, you know, it, it's often the same questions and it, it's often a question of confidence. Yep. Uh, it's often, you know, they would bring up things uh, which which certainly the men that I'm, I'm mentoring don't bring up. Um, so a question of confidence, a question of positioning themselves. Um, even in the survey, you know, we saw there was some verbatim in the survey where we're asking, how do you see yourself in the next three years in terms of your evolution? of customer success career. 
And you see in the verbatim, you know, the women are saying they're using words like recognition, confidence, um, where you want to be in three years time. Yeah, I would like to lead a team, but probably not straight away. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the reverbatim from the men was, yeah, I want to be VP in the next three years. <laughs> um, so it's a much more direct um, and, and less reserved, let's say, for, for the male. So it sounds a bit cliche, sounds a bit stereotyped, but, you know, we do have that. Um, so I think, yes, definitely um, some kind of community for women in customer success. Um, I'd like to be on that. So if you know if there are any volunteers, then please join me. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.